0: Why should every student strongly consider stepping into pro bono consulting during their time at university? What inspired you to grow your leadership capabilities and become the president of the Global Consulting Group at UNSW? What system do you continue to use in your life to make the best decisions possible and manage your time between commitments? In this episode, we talk to Max Luca, who is currently an undergraduate consultant at E3 Advisory and is a student at UNSW studying civil engineering and commerce. Max has already started building his professional brand, having interned previously at KPMG and Sydney Water. Additionally, he is the current president of Global Consulting Group at UNSW that strongly focuses on empowering charities and not-for-profits to grow their inspiring vision and social impact. We discussed a range of topics that include three high-value traits of a future leader, why students should think about the benefits of pro bono consulting as early as possible, feedback from his internships, And one of the best books he's read in his life this is the brightness unleashed podcast enjoy hey max thank you so much for joining us on the brightness unleashed podcast this afternoon first off i just want to ask you about your motivation to maximize your leadership potential by becoming the president of global consulting group and that's one of the pro bono consulting societies at the university of new south wales when we think about maximizing leadership potential people want to try and step up the hierarchy whether it be moving from like a membership role to to a bit more responsibility for the students, such as being a director. But you, Max, have taken that president role to be more accountable for the society. So I just want to hear a bit more about, you know, what inspired you to take this leadership path to the president role? And what was your journey like to get to that position?
1: Yeah, absolutely. So obviously, first of all, thank you so much for having me on, um, Harry. Uh, I think in terms of looking at my experience in gcg and sort of moving into that present role this year uh for me it was much less so about i guess the professional development or the personal development that um i may have received from that role um or sort of looking in that space i think um it was actually much more just about sort of giving back to an organization which i'd been at for um by t- two years but, um, by the point of end of last year and i'd learned so much through my time there met so many really interesting people um, and honestly some of my best friends from university um i've come across the last four years have been Uh, or I met them through GCG. Um, And so for me, it was about sort of moving into that next stage of, um, I felt like I'd learned a lot and could sort of give back in that meaningful sense. Um, I was really happy to sort of see that we had a lot of interest from particularly younger students this year in GCG um, who wanted to sort of stay on and move up in those director roles. Um, And these are potentially like people who have a bit less experience, but um, I mean, what I'd say is far more important was like the keenness to learn and their interest they showed in consulting or like the not-for-profit space. Um, and so for me, I think sort of giving back to them and um, helping sort of guide the the society into um, a position which I think would be quite beneficial. Um, that was really, I guess, the motivations for me. Um, and yeah, it, it was honestly one of those ones where I didn't really think that I might be going for it at a lot of points last year. Um, and in the end, uh, yeah, it was, it was just something that I felt that it was an opportunity which presented itself to me, um, which I really wouldn't have any point uh, within the next sort of 10 years or so, or nothing sort of similar. Uh, and so I felt that stepping into that role would be, um, yeah, just like a, really that opportunity was just so unique. And I felt like I had to sort of give it a try. Um, and really I've enjoyed mm-hmm. uh, every moment of it so far uh, across the last sort of six, seven months. Um, and so, yeah, no, it's been one of the, one of those journeys that, um, yeah, sort of you blink and you miss it, but no, it's been really good at every <laughs> stage.
0: No, it's, it's really good that you took that action, Max. I feel a lot of students might have that fear that that burden of fear where they are not ready for a position like that and you max i really do respect that you're able to take that president role and be in charge of the mission the vision of gcg and it's doing remarkable work i was there when i was a project manager and it's really good to be involved and provide that positive difference to others and i just want to know max like did you have a like a vision or imagination of you being the president and looking after the society before you applied like did you have like a thought process behind it or you just said this is my chance let's see what happens how did that work
1: yeah it was definitely one of those ones where i didn't apply sort of not thinking about what i might want to sort of see in the role um but it was definitely um probably a bit more last minute than most people might expect and it was sort of maybe three days before i sent in my initial application um was when i sort of sat down and just thought okay so if i were to do this what would it what would it look like um, and honestly, after sort of an hour or so, of just sort of mapping that out and having a bit of a think and chatting to a few of my close friends as well, um, I was like, okay, I can see myself actually applying for this. And um, I think the vision that I sort of came away with was um, I really wanted GCG to be a place where people might join for a variety of reasons. I think sort of the top three that I sort of saw it might be like to make friends, to make a positive social impact or to develop yourself professionally um, in that consulting space. Um, but what I really wanted to sort of see as an outcome was that people... Would just stay on um after sort of after making after joining initially um would stay on because of all the positive experiences that came out of so like they would meet a lot of like-minded individuals who they really got along with well a very welcoming culture where everyone sort of felt that they would have a place um and also somewhere where people felt that there was continually something more to be gained by staying in gcg um, so yeah it was, it was one of those ones where it does sound like very very high level um but I guess myself, having been there over the last two years, I was like, okay, I definitely felt that I'd experienced it. And there were several points where, um, towards the end of a role, whether it had been project consultant or project manager, where I sort of had that sort of thought process to myself, like, oh, am I going to stay on at GCG? And it would always come back to, yeah, I am. Um, it's going to be another six months or another year or something. Um, just because, yeah, I couldn't quite bring myself to leave at that stage. And I was just enjoying it so much. So um, I wanted to try and make sure that we're fostering that environment for as many people as possible. Um... And yeah, it really wasn't something I'm like, okay, we want to run you know, X number of events. I really want to um, you know, increase partnership funding and stuff like that. I think for me, it was a lot more about the people who are on the ground who are dedicating their time to the social cause. I really want them to basically enjoy that experience as much as they can, um, even if there's a few different categories or a few different areas that people look for out of the experience. I want to make sure we cater um, to as many of those as we can and as well as we can.
0: That's really, that's really interesting to hear. And um, I think you have observed a lot from your time at the very beginning of GCG, you probably looked up to the directors and president at the time. And now that you're there and you've been there for quite a while now, your loyalty and your, you know, your, your attachment to the student community is so powerful. So coming to that in terms of the elements of a successful leader, and we've asked this to previous guests as well, um, because. You, Max, have kind of seen and observed and learned from the previous president, previous directors or exec team, how they function the society. We were just wondering uh, from your own words, Max, what what are some of the most important elements of a successful leader in a student society to make sure that you're providing that energy for the student community and you really want to provide an impact with purpose? Have you defined what are some of the most important elements of any future leader, especially being like a president of society?
1: Yeah, I think I think for myself, there's probably three main components, which I think you're already touching on, to be honest, Harry. Um, and one of those first ones is just like sort of in the energy and the passion, like you really have to want that role um, probably best if you want it for more selfless reasons as well, I'd say for that wider purpose, um, but just having the, the passion for what the organization does and really bring that to um, every aspect of the work that you're doing there. Um, I think that's really, really important. And basically if you bring that passion from from the top, you really do hope it sort of down, trickles down as well. Um, and that that sort of energy is brought from every single layer and every individual within the organization. I'd say the second one is basically uh, in particular i think this is very a bit unique to student organizations to be honest but um it's a time where people who may not have that much experience in their career can sort of try something new and like if you go into a graduate role um realistically you know you might you might make manager or something um in like five years and from there that's when you can sort of um sort of shake things up a bit uh, challenge the status quo a bit more. Um, but at the start, it's very much like you sort of you're doing what you're told for the most part, um, and so I think being in a student organisation is something at university where you can yeah make a change, you can try something new, um and sort of see how how it works out. And honestly, if it if it fails, if it doesn't go well, um then like the amount that you'll learn from that is just so much more than if you didn't take that risk in the first place. Um, so I think with, you know obviously within reason, but allowing people to basically challenge things, to take risks, um to be brave in you know the events or the, like um yeah the type of work that they want to be doing i think that's something that is really really important and i think the last one is just um again sort of lean down to lean back to um leading from the top is uh you just yeah you have to lead by example um so never look to sort of delegate something to someone if you wouldn't be happy to do it yourself um obviously i think most of like the people who sort of go towards those leadership positions in society they may have been there before um, and so there's no question that they can that they themselves can get the job done but it's really about giving that opportunity to more and more people passing down that knowledge, um, being there to support and sort of step in and, um, being like if needed, but always allowing people to, um, yeah, basically not giving them work that you wouldn't be happy to do yourself, um, or haven't done yourself in the past. Um, I don't know if that, that makes sense, but I think those <laughs> are sort of three areas that I try to hold close to me, um, in my role. And, uh, I I hope I'm doing an all right job with that, uh, so far.
0: Yeah. Well, from what I've heard so far about GCG, your role model, features uh, really resonate across the entire society. From my previous chat with Jack and looking at how GCG has really formed its brand equity, uh, it seems that you've been doing a fantastic job, Max. And I think it's just your role model etiquette and being able to share that energy, as you said, really resonate and show that zest for others or that enthusiasm for others. Why am I here? What purpose am I here to drive? Um, Why am I even being involved with like, you know, all these charities, NFPs in the first place? Because a lot of students might just apply just for the experience and then get out, right? But uh, you're right in terms of leading by example. And one of those examples could just be having a defined purpose and saying, yes, I really want to create change for the better. And not just any change, but it's all about that long term growth for all of these charities or um, uh, NFPs that really want a strategy being built for them. Um, So that's really great that you share those three elements, um, Max. Thank you for sharing that. Um, I want to kind of take this into another path, but from the student's perspective, where a lot of students might not be taking advantage of pro bono consulting within university, not just for UNSW, but across all domestic universities that have a consulting society. Um, we always talk about skill building, practical experience with all of these NFPs, as mentioned earlier. Um, and. I just want to know like if there's any projects that if you want to share on this podcast go for it if there's any particular project that really resonated with you during your time at gcg that you would like to share to our students to kind of motivate them to really enter this type of work um to kind of you know really be interested in pro bono work do you have any project or any advice for students to enter this field of pro bono consulting
1: yeah i'll sort of I'll, I'll take a bit of a step back, to be honest, because um, I think there's there's obviously several um, hmm. fantastic uh, pro bono consulting societies or consulting societies um, at USW alone, but I mean, I can't imagine how many there would be or how many different branches across um, all Australian domestic universities. So I think it's, yeah, I, from a student perspective, I'd say it's definitely something that if you have that opportunity, um, you can always look to, um, yeah, basically take that opportunity. I think Honestly, even if you're not too sure what consulting is, um, or even if you're sure and you're like, that's 100% not a career path for me, um, there's just so many transferable skills that sort of come across. Um, if you're looking from that professional sense that like they're, they're gonna be useful across like such a broad range of, of work and sort of industries and sectors as well. Um, so honestly, it's one of those ones where um, you, sort of, you might not be too sure what it is at the start, um, but as you go, it, it like there's so many different aspects of consulting that you'll find something that resonates with you. Um, you'll find a skill that you didn't realize was was a skill you might need, or like that you identify as a weakness before and you just find yourself developing. Um, and so I think that's really just a very, a very positive reason for uh, joining um, a program a consulting society or a student consulting club um, at uni, just from the professional sense. Um, obviously the other ones I've talked about before Um, from the personal sort of growth sense, just being able to work with not-for-profits and um, yeah, just basically having that tangible social impact that you sort of walk away from where you're through your four years of university or however long you're there studying. Um, You obviously learn a lot, but you can say, yeah, I actually made some tangible change as well. Um, And then just from the social side as well, um, like myself, I started uni in 2020. Uh, We went through basically two and a half years of lockdown almost, Um, but being in the societies was something that um, really made my uni experience really, really positive from a social perspective. Um, and so that's something which um, obviously fingers crossed we're not going to see more lockdowns, but it can still really uh, benefit a lot of students who, um, yeah, really want to explore that social side at university. So yeah, like I think there's no one project which I would talk about at GCG. And like I said, I think there's so many positive consulting clubs. And if you're not too sure which one, you can just sort of send in a few applications or you can talk to a few members and just sort of see what their experience is. And I think for the most part, people are very positive about their experience because yeah, like I said, there's just so many beneficial reasons for the student to join. Mm. Um, and it's something that a lot of people take a lot away from um, and particularly as they reflect back on the uni experience, it's a really key aspect, um, which they say, yeah, if you have that opportunity um, when you're younger, then yeah, definitely take it.
0: Absolutely, leaping into those opportunities Um, it's really powerful because if you don't take that first step, as you mentioned before, just trying it out and experimenting and you, you never know. And you kind of maybe regret that later in your life. Why didn't I, you know, try my best or just see how this experience is like, you might like it or you might love it, but without taking that step, you will never know. So that was a bit of a, um, insight that you was quite powerful, I believe, because a lot of students are just afraid to take that next step. They're just unsure about the skills they might develop, or they might feel scared to maybe do a presentation in front of the client. And a lot of these pro bono consultings always have that pitch night. And I'm sure a lot of students probably have seen this on Facebook or on Instagram about how um, things are kind of maybe judged, but they shouldn't feel that. You know it's all about a learning experience and i think that's really important to share to students about good feedback learn from that even if it's very constructive it doesn't matter it's all about your learning potential and making sure you take those learnings as you said before transferable skills transfer those skills into your next role Um, that's the journey of you know career building and skill development so it's really awesome that you mentioned that max and as a follow-up to that when you first joined university in 2020 um, did you already know people about, uh, about their experience in pro bono consulting or you just discovered it all of a sudden? How did you work your way into that path? Maybe some students might not know students at university or they have to figure it out on their own. How did, how did it work for you?
1: Yeah. So I actually joined GCG in my second year. Um, that's when I joined as a project consultant. So I didn't actually know anything about GCG until quite towards the back end of my final term in my first year of university. Um, Pretty much what happened was, I think it started sort of midway through my first year. Um, a friend of mine sent me um, a, a, like a, a notice for a case competition um, and it was with the Engineering Society and, and she was like, oh, let, let's let's do this together. Um, and honestly, it is probably pretty far away from, it, well, it's very far away from not-for-profit consulting um, and it was very much on the engineering side. We we're actually working for um, uh, Transurban in that stage or the competition was for Transurban. Um, and so but that, that whole experience was actually something that, um, really stood out to me because up until then, um, from a civil engineering perspective, they were like, oh, there are two uh, career pathways. You're either working in design or you're working in construction on site. Um, and for me, it was sort of about discovering, I guess, this third element of this this opportunity where um, I could sort of look to utilise like problem solving skills, um, but maybe not in those more traditional roles, um, which I, I'd been told about before was sort of the only opportunity. Um, so from there, I actually did a program um, called ACE, which the engineering society was doing, which was pretty much just very much introduction, fundamental skills of consulting, uh, train you up. Um, and one member uh, who actually joined as, um, sort of like a panelist actually, to one of the ACE workshops is actually at GCG headquarters. Um, so he graduated a few years ago. Um, and after talking to him, he was he recommended that I apply for GCG and I think the rest is pretty much, um, yeah, rest is history almost. Um, I sort of, yeah, he, he gave me the spiel and I was like, that sounds really interesting. Um, I feel like that's something that I would really enjoy next year. Um, and yeah, uh, sent an application and was fortunate enough to receive that um, opportunity.
0: That, that's fantastic that, you know, sometimes these open connections with other people, like for example, your friend pulling you into a case competition for the very first time, you kind of build that inspiration i guess to be like oh this is seems pretty interesting let's see what else is there on campus that involves consulting i guess it's kind of following that path right um and we, we always hear about these other pro bono consulting societies and i don't feel there's ever a competition uh like you know 180 degrees business one all of that i think it's all about working together um and really s- building skills for the future um when we talk about this future leadership program um that a lot of universities tend to do through workshops or seminars consulting, pro bono consulting is a great platform for a lot of our students. And um, I think a lot of students who are listening to this podcast should really think about doing at some point in their uni life. Um, as you said before, it's really good to kind of enter these experiences, have a go at it. And it's all about those transferable skills in problem solving, communication, storytelling, presenting. These skills can be used pretty much nearly in every industry where you need to build that you know professional acumen or professional capabilities. So you're absolutely right, Max. Um, that's something that we should really um, develop and students who might not know anyone at any universities, let's say they go to UNSW and they don't know anyone. Um, it's really important for them to just stay posted on the Facebook group, right? Is there a particular Facebook group with all the societies or to stay updated for anyone, for any first year student who might not know where to find societies? Do you know if there's any social group or anything?
1: yeah i think uh, I'm, I'm sure there's a few sort of of groupings and i know there's like a mm. NSW facebook group for every year but i think honestly the one that is by far the most active in which i know every society out there will, will be hitting um mm. is UNSW discussion group i think that's yeah a pretty pretty well-known one on facebook yep. um but yeah i, I think it, it is something that we might have to like societies in general might have to sort of think about um in the future because i know um that yeah, more and more students sort of uh less inclined to use Facebook and like perhaps only use Facebook for uni or that purpose. But mm. um yeah, I think uni discussion group is is a good starting <laughs> point. But yeah, yeah, it's sort of on us to be able to reach people as well. I think
0: yeah, definitely. Like I know before we started this episode, you mentioned that the the influx rate of students coming in for their cycles has been going really well. As long as those those you know those KPIs that you're targeting every cycle meets your expectation that is fantastic and just making sure a lot of the first year students who are aware of what the pro bono consulting opportunities are like that would be absolutely fantastic because i was kind of guilty of that in first year i didn't know anything about pro bono consulting until second or third year actually i didn't actively look out or really connect with as many people because i didn't really know a lot of people at the very beginning of my uni experience slowly entering competitions i got to meet new friends they told me about all these consulting societies and i'm like fantastic opportunity to work with a real client, great team and a project leader at the time. So that is absolutely fantastic. And I hope our current listeners take some of your advice about that, how to join. Um, I want to kind of now shift the path into your internship experience. Um, I know that you've worked at like Sydney Water and KPMG, um, and you're still in university. And that's a really remarkable initiative that you've taken to kind of gather um, internship experience and really build your professional skill set. So I was wondering, Max, if you could just give us a bit of a light on, um, any particular advice for our listeners who might be trying to apply for their first internship, whether it be for the summer cycle this year, or even the winter cycle, if there's any apps open right now, do you have any favorable advice that has helped you land those internships that can help our listeners?
1: Yeah, so it's, it's an interesting question um, and I was actually uh, at some point, I think it was midway through last year, um, I was, a society actually asked me to um, for like, it was like a panel light, um, basically advice for student applications um, and I remember the first two sort of panelists like um, when they were giving their um, like initial sort of career progression and sort of how, how it sort of came about from their job, um, it was very much like, oh, this was sort of like the first company I applied for and I, and I got this role and, you know, I've enjoyed it ever since and X, Y, Z. Um, but for me, I, honestly, I sent in so many applications in second year that um, were rejected. I think it must have sort of been 25, 30 plus um, or something like that. Um, and I think it was more, yeah, it, it, it was obviously like a, a challenging time. I wasn't, wasn't really sure exactly what I was doing wrong. And I think there's probably not a whole lot of transparency on it, um, particularly for younger students. They're not too sure like what a good application looks like or, you know, how to actually succeed through the application process. Um, and for me, I think it was about sort of step-by-step. Step. I could sort of, you know, for the first 10 or so, I would get rejected at the first stage, um, and the next 10, I sort of I sort of figured out exactly, you know, a, a few ways to improve. I went out and talked to people about my CV or my cover letters, um, and it's sort of step-by-step step, just sort of going through there, and then you get rejected from a few interviews, and you sort of um, try elaborate on your interview skills or try to expand them as well. Um, so I think, yeah, honestly, it's one of those ones where it's, it's pretty challenging, and um, also it can be quite, like, disheartening at times as well. Um, if you send in a lot of applications, put your heart and soul into it and just sort of get rejected and then get probably what is like an automated email. Um, my best advice is uh, something that I really didn't follow um, and I've only started following um, a bit more across the last sort of 18 months or so, is, which is um, quality of quantity for applications. Um, so there's obviously so many companies out there, so many posts on LinkedIn, like, oh, they're hiring X, Y, like this intern or like this summer internship. Um, really just have like a good think about the organization that you want to apply for the team have it like properly dedicate that time to writing like application questions your cover letter um and making sure that you're well prepared for the interview because um yeah this way you're like you, you'll be able to learn much more um about yourself and um i guess you sort of figure out your motivations for a certain role on the way you'll sort of work out which career paths aren't right for you um but just yeah really make sure that you take things slowly uh, when doing them and don't necessarily think that a large number of applications will mean success as well. Um, I think it is quite common. I remember my first mentor that um, I was connected with in second year through um, a society's mentoring program. Um, he said that yeah, when he was in final year, he was panicking at times as well. And he had like a spreadsheet of like 150 or 200 companies. Um, and he only got sort of like 10 interviews and then finally got one role. Um, and I think it is quite a common experience that people aren't really sure and they sort of make the same mistakes. Um, and it just gets more and more disheartening. So 100% um, quality over quantity in terms of applications.
0: Yeah, quality over quantity. Um, I think a lot of students tend to misinterpret what that means because we always say, oh, resume can be maximum two pages. And students are like, okay, I'll try and fill out the two page limit and try and put as much quality as possible. And very similar advice that your mentor also gave before um, regarding resume writing and how to actually apply um, it's really important to have, you know, specific achievements and also your role, like what are some of the actions that you did at the job or work experience rather than just describing what um, any general person might have done. They really want to focus on you as a personal brand and seeing what action or deliverable or result that you achieved for that company you interned at or society that you even worked at, you know. Um, so you're absolutely right in terms of quality over quantity. Um, was there any particular like structure or framework or like what to start off your resume with first? Is it education or is it experience first? Like, is there any t- sort of advice, especially for that resume to get that first impression rolling? Um, was there any structure advice that you got for what you start off with first in the resume or how to bullet point your achievements? Was there anything that helped you, you know, really understand how to write properly for your resume or cover letter?
1: Yeah, I'll say like, I'll, I'll keep it quite brief in this regard because I think it's very much one of those ones where people tell you so many different things. Um, and people often tell you conflicting things. Um, I've had at least 10 people tell me that, you know, interest is actually, you know, something that's completely essential on your resume and you have to see it. Yeah. And then I've had another 10 people and these are all experienced people I'm talking about. Um, so yeah, I never want to see anything
0: interest. that's worked for you, man. Yeah,
1: <laughs> yeah <laughs> exactly. So like, I, I'll keep it quite brief, but, um, For me, I think um, the first one is I keep it to one page. Um, Pretty succinct with the resume. Um, I try to keep everything quite sort of very high level. Um, I'm very careful with the words that I put on there Um, and really like very succinct and not trying to sort of elaborate or or go into way too much detail because um, you want to give people like a little taste at the start and sort of think that, okay, this is someone I want to interview because I want to hear a bit more about this experience. This sounds interesting. Um, You talked before about sort of what, I guess i start off with um the rule i was always told and this is something that has been a bit more consistent um is that education comes first for us as university students um once you're sort of you know uh, probably like at the point where you maybe think about leaving your graduate ro- role or leaving the company that you start off with out from uni um that's when you can start sort of thinking about whether you want to have your professional experience above um but i think yeah we're sort of foremost university students and the, I, m- my view is that you can sort of keep your education at the top. Um, but yeah, like I said, it's one of those ones where everyone's got like their hot tips on the resume, um, and you really have to be a bit selective in terms of, uh, the advice you, ch- you choose to adhere to, um, and that you choose to sort of yeah, take with a grain of salt as well. Um, so it's oh yeah, part of, part of what I was talking about before. It's one of those journeys where you sort of find out what works for you, um, and find out how you represent yourself best. And, um, yeah, it is very much a journey, which pretty much everyone goes through. Mm.
0: Yeah. And you don't really get those learnings unless you try and get rejected or ask for feedback, you know, like from the recruiter. Some recruiters are happy to give feedback. Some just, as you said, auto-generate rejected email and see you later. Uh, but yeah, whatever works for you and you stick to that and you kind of develop your skills in that path. If it's if you know a certain way to write and it's been working for you 99% of the time, most likely just stick with it regardless of what other people might say. Um, and you're, you're, you're really accurate when it comes to like, you know, all of these advice that we get from YouTube or even LinkedIn, the number of career coaches on LinkedIn have varied advice. And sometimes I also get confused, which one do I follow? But I've also figured out a particular niche of mine um, that really helps me either write a really good cover letter or making sure the resume is really structured. So it's very easy for the recruiter or the hiring manager to read from, you know, A to Z. Um, but yeah, I think it's whatever works for you, stick to it, maximize it, and you can always share those learnings to other students, especially first year students who are our dominant audience of this podcast uh, to you know to help them grow their potential and hopefully get those first internships, whether it be at a startup or a massive corporate. Um, let's move into a bit of that feedback topic actually, because uh, given that you've finished your experience at Sydney Water and at KPMG, um, I think it's really cool to hear if you did receive any feedback from anyone that you worked with either at either companies, so or you can choose one of them, Max, up to you. But was there any feedback that really helped grow your professional capabilities or really improved your awareness of some of the high value traits that they look for you know, as a future leader, whether you move into a senior consultant role or becoming a really good employee that a lot of other people recognize and they want on the team. Was there any feedback that really resonated with you, Max?
1: Yeah, so I think, Feedback was something which I actively sought out towards um, the end of both both those roles. Um, I think one organisation had a much more sort of structured um, approach to feedback, and they they were sort of they had it there, and it was more sort of me um, just sort of taking my own initiative to make sure I understood what was or understood the outputs from a specific process, where they would sort of have a system where people would log in and then sort of say, "Oh, I worked with Max, and you know this is the feedback, this is the positives, these are the areas for improvement." Um, the other organization was a bit more, I guess, ad hoc. And, sort it was just a conversation with my manager at the time. Um, but I think, yeah, the, for sort of coming away from those, um, ones, I think, uh, a dominance of areas, obviously like the amount of technical skills that people, um, are always like, oh, this is super, super important in the role. And it wasn't sort of feedback in the sense of like, oh, we expected you to have this technical skill. Um, but it was more like, oh, this, like, you know, you, we were sort of, um, like in, in this, in this project or, uh. For this task, um, you know, this is sort of in this technical skill area, and we could see that um, you know, while whilst you may have had a bit of experience here, um it's something you can look to further develop. Um, or like, you know, this seemed to be a technical skill which would have helped you a bit more with this task um if you'd known yeah, how to use this software or sort of known how to use this technique as well. Um so yeah, it's not necessarily like a piece of feedback which is like, yeah, it, it resonates with me in any particular sense like that, um, I'd say. Um, but it was just one of those ones where you sort of do realize that, you know, out in the world that there's so many different skills that can help um, basically improve the outputs or like help help you help improve your work as well. Um, and so that's something that, yeah, just just know that sort of everyone is or like this, no one knows everything and there's so much more to learn. Um, and I think if you come in with the approach that, yeah, you always want to be sort of moving forward, you always want to be progressing your skills and learning more, um, then that's probably a pretty good mindset to have. Um, but yeah, i think th- th- those are sort of the main points of feedback I'd, i received um and i would say obviously it's always really really important no matter what you're doing um whether it be sort of a university course whether you're working um or like whether you're sort of doing in like a volunteer space as well um always try getting the feedback um because that is really the best place to learn um and yeah you're not going to sort of learn if people always say yeah okay yeah, no, that was really good there's always gonna be something which um potentially could have been done better um or potentially could have been better considered um and so that's really yeah, a good way to make sure that you're always moving forward.
0: I guess it's the willingness to learn, like as you said, if you don't show your willingness to learn something brand new, maybe it might be difficult. A lot of the managers might not wanna really take you on because you really wanna show that you're up for a challenge. You wanna learn something completely out of your comfort zone. And I think that's what a lot of these hiring people or even managers look look to hire because they want someone who has a really keen interest on something they might not be comfortable with. However, they have that willingness or that drive to learn and not give up. There's a lot of, I feel what you said, Max, a lot of resilience through that feedback where even if it might be quite difficult or it's a technical skill that seems to be a bit complicated, that's all right. There's always people within your support network to get advice from. Um, you can use them as like a buddy and ask them about how they actually learned from, you know, the first few stages of that software or that technical skill to where they are today. How, what were the growing steps to get to that, you know, professional capability? So that's a really good piece of feedback. And I think a lot of our listeners need to understand, even in the university context with their subjects and um, society involvement, it's all about that willingness to spread energy to others, help others grow and become better and try to be actively involved within the student network um, and be in touch with your lecturers and your tutors as well, because they're also there to give really good feedback. But unfortunately, like even during my time at uni, a lot of students didn't really take advantage of the tutor or the lecturer to give a really good feedback one on one after class or even through email during COVID times. Um, I think it's so important to use the power of people to get advice. So it's really good that you got some, um, one was structured advice you said, one was a bit more conversational advice. I feel like they both resonate this idea of willingness to learn. So I hope our listeners do take that away with them because I feel lots of people look for that as an attitude. So regarding your society involvement again, because internships was really great, Um, I want to really come back to that idea of when you're a president and you're taking such leadership responsibility for not just yourself and the exec team, but also prospective members, people who might be looking at GCG to join, as well as your current members as well. I really want to get this better understanding of how you were able to kind of balance your time between all these extracurricular activities, the internships that you did, um, balancing that with your studies as well. Uh, I'm sure a lot of our listeners also who might be wanting to achieve a president role or become more of a director or or part of the exec team at their society. um, I was wondering, how do you kind of judge your limits in terms of what to do and what not to do and really aim to accomplish your activities at the best standard possible? Do you have like a method or system to balance your time appropriately? Um, Or are you just very disciplined? (laughs) How does it work for you?
1: Yeah, I'd, I'd have to say this is something which I wouldn't consider myself to be the best person um, in terms of um, time management or basically understanding their capacity and sort of matching that as well. Um, as someone who's experienced burnout in, um, in most years at university, I think that's, um, yeah, obviously I'm probably not the best person to talk about it with. But yeah, I'd say in general, um, my approach is... Um, very much sort of segment your time um, as much as if you if can you have like sort of a routine or something where um, it's very regular what you're doing at a certain time in a week um, I feel like that really does help sort of just structure um, you sort of get uh, yeah, as you sort of basically create this pattern um, you sort of are ready to do the work when you're scheduled in that time to do the work and if you're thinking whether okay you know this time I'm um, like this is where I study for this course or this is where I do the, this work for this society or something like that um, I figure that that's probably quite a good way to go, um, just sort of setting up that routine. Um, but yeah, it's, it's definitely a tricky one. Um, I know a lot of people probably don't match this particularly well as well. Um, just because there is quite a lot of, um, I guess freedom that you, comes with when you, when you start as a university student, um, obviously moving from high school, which was a lot more structured and your time was probably, is very, very clear, um, because people would tell you what you should be doing in a certain amount, like period of time. Um, it's very much more self-paced and self-managed, um, when you come to university. So I think that's, that's quite a tricky one um what i did do mm. as well um is obviously it wasn't an intentional decision but not being involved um that much in societies uh, at all my first term um at uni but also um i was sort of only being a like participant in programs or doing case competitions um throughout my first year i did have i felt like i had a pretty good judge on the amount of work which i was committing to uni um that i need to do like in, in a certain term Um, and I felt like that was like a good base. And I was like, okay, first of all, I'm a uni student. Okay. But if I'm dedicating this amount of time, um, which I worked out to be roughly sort of about three days a week, um, of work, I'd say sort of around about that. I was like, okay, I've got the capacity to, in those remaining two days, um, because I still wanted to have a break and have ability to socialize. I'll end the remaining two days. I can fill those up with, um, other activities. And so, um, yeah, in my sort of first and second year, that was a lot of tutoring. Um, it was doing a few sort of clubs and societies as well, including GCG, um, and then as I moved into my third year, it sort of became two days a week at an internship. Um, and then the rest is sort of filled with societies. But yeah, like I said, definitely someone who's experienced burnout. Um, fortunately, it's usually only around about week seven uh, of term three is usually my um, my unfortunate time. Um, so you, I get through most of the uni, uni calendar, um, but yeah, there's definitely ways I could, I could be improving. Um, and as someone who is a bit of a procrastinator as well, mm. um, I feel like my time management can always be um, yeah, but better in that sense because I am someone who can sort of if I don't really want to do a task, I it can take out a lot more time than it actually needs to. So Yeah. Um yeah, I think yeah, I acknowledge these weaknesses. Um and this is something <laughs> I'm always trying to work on. But um yeah, there's definitely no silver bullet which I know so far in terms of time management. Yeah. How long have you been president for now, Max, of G C G um, so I started I think officially I started late October uh last year. So last year, yeah i I can't even do the math. It's about, about eight months now. Um, okay. So, so yeah, it's actually, it seems like it's far of to be honest.
0: <laughs> so like within the eight months, right? Because um, of course, eight months is quite a while if you think about being really busy with uni and you've got your personal life as well. So, you know, when you have those workshops or you have things that overlap with your mid exams or I'm trying to remember what I used to do and relate that, like, you know, your assignments and, final exams coming at the end of trimester one, trimester two, plus you're trying to stay in touch with your exec team and the members and directors to, you know, what's going on within the society, right? Was there anything that helped you really stay calm, stay in control during those times? Was there anything that really helped? Because I feel like a lot of our listeners um really have this focus on well being and, um, when we look at some of the previous recordings with other guests, a lot of people talked about well-being and health, kind of making sure you have the right amount of energy at the right time, knowing when to rest, etc. So I was just wondering, Max, like during the eight months, did you kind of change the way you kind of um, prioritize your well-being and make sure you have an active effort across all tasks, whether it be with GCG or your studies at university? Was there anything that helped you during the eight months?
1: Yeah. So I think. Um... Yeah, I'll, I'll, I'll take a step back a bit, actually. And I'll say that, um, obviously, having done sure. quite a lot of society work, um, what I really wanted to bring this year at GCG, um, and I remember I was saying it at Director Induction, um, was just making sure that, as an organisation, um, we had our priorities straight. And um, obviously that everyone, um, I, I, I pretty much said to everyone here, um, your priorities number one and two should be um, like yeah, your own mental and physical health and then that of like your close friends and your family as well um, And then three and four really should be looking at um, Whichever order you choose it like looking at that um, professional work um, If you're, if you're in that space as well as like your uni as well um, And so by the time you sort of realize like that all that should be coming ahead of GCG um, Which 100% agree with um, or should be always becoming ahead of any uh, student society You're sort of like looking at like almost like your fifth, fifth priority or something like that um, and so what what else I said at that time was, you know, 100% we're always gonna stick by these as our priorities. Um, but in order to make sure that we can manage, you know, up to sort of five or six priorities uh, as well, um, we wanna make sure that this one is as easy to manage as it can be. So really look, plan ahead. Um, we are, I'd say, obviously, as being quite a small organization, um, it's not like we have an event every second week. Uh, and so we're quite, um, we think about our placement of events quite logically. Um, we, we really do try to steer clear of like things like exams and um, other peak times, whether people will be going on holiday at a certain time as well. Um, and we try to sort of just bring, like yeah, as much as we can, a sense of calm and like not wanting people to stress about it too much as well. Um, because I think that's something that, obviously, at the end of the day, we're all students, this is a volunteer role. Um, and it's something where we do the best we can, but not at the expense of, our own sort of mental health and really not at the expense of any other commitments which we may have made um, because we want to make sure that everyone sort of comes away like i said earlier with a positive experience right and that's not going to be the case um if your recollection of being in a society is just sort of stressing about um all this work or feeling incredibly burnt out or um, anything along those lines so yeah I, I guess that's sort of how we do look to manage it um and we definitely do look to prioritize well-being like i said i'm probably not the best person to talk to about prioritizing well-being um, it's something i definitely tried to yeah. bring forward a bit more. Um,
0: surely, mate, you got eight months of experience yeah. in there. Like surely some well, well-being, yeah, look,
1: it, not <laughs> too badly. um, but yeah, I think for me, like, honestly, something that does work is taking regular breaks. Um, yeah. so I can mean that in the sense of, you know, within your work day. Um, I, have had a few colleagues at my current role, um, go like, oh, you like, you know, you, you stand up and like every hour, almost on the dot, um, you stand up mm. and you just go walk across um, the other side of the office, grabs, grabs a drink of water stuff like that. Um, Sometimes I just sort of head out the building, get some fresh air. Um, So that's more on a micro level, Um, but on a macro level as well, I'd say like, you know, if you work yourself very hard for 10 weeks or something like that, um, you know, give yourself a few days off from that commitment, go have a holiday. Um, Yeah, something that is obviously really enjoyable um, at GCG as well is um, we usually have like a road trip or something each term Um, and it's just, yeah, a a time where we can acknowledge the good work we've done together, the hard work that's been um, achieved and, you know, a a time when you're just socialising, you're not really worrying about anything else. Um, so I th- I'd say, yeah, that's my, that's my only tip, um, but I think, yeah, the, the, I 100% understand that, yeah, well-being is obviously something that's really, really important um, hmm. and something which we shouldn't really forget about or neglect um, as university students.
0: Yeah, no, that's, re- that's really good to hear, Max, um, because as you said before, like, you know, the individual experience or the student experience is such an important focal point for, like, you know, you as a president, your exec team, and I'm sure a bunch of other societies they really want to kind of help thrive the student experience make sure people are having a great time learning something or just socializing with friends or making new friends so absolutely important regarding well-being and making sure that everyone is able to commit and no one feels too pressured or too you know burnt out so that is absolutely a priority um as a, as a final thing regarding your university experience, Max, and, um, you know, you've been there now as, a, I think, fourth-year student, right? Fourth-year? Yeah, fourth-year this year. Fourth-year, yeah, fourth-year. So during your four years, if you take that all as an accumulated experience in one, was there any life lessons or anything that you've learned from your lecturers or tutors or even from your exec team, other, you know, your other members within the society that have kind of given you new... A renewed perspective on life or um any piece of wisdom that has kind of helped enable your growth at all during
1: those four years yeah i guess um one thing which a very close friend of mine uh, has said to me on, on many occasions um but i think he probably first said it around about a year, or a year or two years ago um was that you know obviously we're going to be presented with enormous number of opportunities at uni um there's so much that we can we can be doing um just make sure like that you've weighed up I guess the costs uh, and also the benefits of a certain experience um, and I think what he means by this is that for example looking at my own decision to stay on the GCG um, like obviously the cost in, in very simple term is that you know I'm dedicating um, a, a significant amount of my time um, to GCG throughout this year um, and just sort of thinking about like what exactly um, what exactly is the result of that for the positive side as well so for me um, I think I talked about this earlier, but the biggest thing for me was about watching the younger members of our organization, those who moved up into director roles, but also the project teams as well, really being able to give back to them, um, sort of pass down, pass down knowledge and sort of see their growth as well um, throughout the year. And that was something which, for me, I was like, yeah, it's going to be something I want to stick around for. Um, but there's so many decisions that we can make um, about uni. You know, if you decide um, that you know, for one term, all you're going to do is your uni subjects, and that, that is absolutely fine. And you know, you may think that um, you know, that like like you might be thinking you're not doing enough or anything like that, but I mean that's absolutely what I plan to do at some stage next year. Um, so just always like remember that you've got so many different options and there's not necessarily any one right option. Don't sort of think about what everyone else is doing. Um, but really just have a look for yourself, think about the opportunities that you have or that you have you're being presented with, um, and work out what equates to be best for you as the individual because I think that's really just Basically, that's what it should come down to for the most part, I think. Um, So, yeah, like it, yeah, honestly, like for me, for the first term this year, um, I was was working full time. I actually took time off uni or I only did one course. Um, And obviously, the cost for me is that, you know, I'm sort of slowing down my degree a little bit. um, But the benefit was it was a place that I really wanted to work at. And I think my experience there was going to be far better if I could work full time there, um, purely because of the projects I could get and just basically um immersing myself in that experience uh on a full-time basis for a certain number of weeks. So yeah, I think it it does sort of it, it does sound quite simplistic and it may be over overly simplistic and it's definitely not the be all and end all, but I think this approach of just sort of when you when you see a new experience that you have available or a new opportunity, just sort of slow yourself down a bit and think, okay, what does this mean that I'm going to be doing? Um, what am I gonna be giving up? Um or what what do I have to commit to this role or position? Um but also what do I get out of it as well. And yeah, it could sound a little selfish at times, um, but yeah, it does sort of align quite closely with, you know, the, the feeling of like well-being and making sure that um, you're looking after yourself. Uh, so, yeah, obviously it can't be applied to every situation, um, but it is, I think, a good place to start um, for a lot of, yeah, whether it be society, internships, um, taking mm-hmm. on more uni courses, et cetera, stuff like that. Um, it's a good way to sort of think about it in the first instance.
0: That's a, I think that, sh- that light of advice that you just provided, I think has kind of given me a renewed perspective as well on that cost benefit analysis on, you know, what's, what are the benefits for you as well as what are the costs for you? And you can also think about the people you might be affecting because if a cost is or oh, my performance might be going down, that has an impact on the people you work with and then the overall team performance goes down. So um, that is an awesome insight, Max, that you've just shared with us. Um, And I think it's a pivotal life lesson that a lot of students need to understand, kind of weigh the costs and the benefits before you leap into an opportunity. And we coming back to what we just said at the very beginning about why you, you know, were inspired to take on the president role. You kind of assessed the situation from what I heard. You kind of figured that this is a change that I want to make to GCG and you really want to impact the students and the whole community about, you know, the purpose, the brand the mission that you're here to achieve. So I love that little bit of that risk assessment kind of going through like, you know, this is what I want to do. There aren't many costs involved, the benefits outweigh the costs, let's do it. So that is some actionable advice and highly recommend students to think about that before they move into their next opportunity or move up, you know, to a higher leadership position. Um, That is fantastic, Max. Um, And as as our last question, and because we wanna make sure we wrap this up on time and it's been such a awesome time with you, Max. Such great insights being shared today. Um, we always ask this to pretty much every guest. Are there any books or articles that you've read in your past, whether it be a, a fiction novel or even a literature, anything that has helped really stimulate your mindset to you know feel reshaped, to feel better every single day? Do you recommend any particular books or articles for our listeners to think about? Um, that can help their personal growth journey and just become a better version of themselves?
1: Yeah, well, basically, I've always been a massive cricket fan. Um, I'm an, actually an English supporter as well. I was born there. Um, so, um, yeah, with the ashes going on right now, it's very exciting um, in my house. But, a bit unlucky, mate. Yeah, with it fat. is It is a bit unlucky. <laughs> we, won't, we won't talk about that first, place, hopefully. Um, but, yeah, one that I did read was um, an autobiography by the um, then England captain, um, Andrew Strauss, who um, I think... When he So he was the captain when England won down in Australia for, I think, the first time in, like, 20 or something, 20 or 30 years or something like that. Um, but th- towards the end, or I think almost almost as his conclusion, um, he was sort of talking about how, like, you know, whilst it was fantastic to have won um, and all that, like, the really, the greater thing that they brought away was um, basically the journey that they felt that they, they brought quite a, a young team down there, um, and a team which um, was quite... Um, I'd say it was it was it wasn't necessarily like a an established team, um, and there was sort of they had a few sort of changes last minute. Um and it was sort of he talked a lot more about like the growth and the journey. Um and I guess this does sort of link back to um like the expression sort of like, oh it's not the destination, but it it's the journey that counts. And I'd say that's something which I've always sort of thought about um through uni. Uh really sort of try sort of take that on board as much as I can. Um, and I think from from looking back in high school this is something i maybe didn't hold as much it was quite easy to sort of say like oh, at high school the destination's the hsc you know you finish and then off you go um but much more like uni is what you make it um there's so many sort of different opportunities out there and you can sort of um it, it, the journey that you take is much more important because we're sort of starting our life journey now um and like you don't want to sort of think that you know uni like the destination is i graduate and then i get like a graduate role or something like that um sort of I think starting to sort of think now about what sort of person you want to be in 10 20 30 years time um and sort of thinking about yeah not career not anything like that but sort of thinking about yourself personally um i think that's far more important and um yeah it might be a bit um i might have done a few sort of leaps there um to link that piece of literature to this message um but i think that's something that i do try to sort of take forward and uh, like the one piece of advice i would say um is very much look, yeah, it's take your own path. Um, don't have a look at what other people are doing um, and don't view it as just going to a destination. Um, just sort of think about your own journey in life um, because yeah, that's what we're probably starting at this stage.
0: Yeah, oh, that's a fascinating book. I haven't actually heard of that. I know Andrew Strauss, a great captain and a great leader for the English cricket Team. And I think um, what you just mentioned there is all about progress for yourself. Um, you, We all have this unique value proposition we all are distinct from one another. We all have like a different blueprint in our life, and um, what you just mentioned kind of helped me get a better understanding of. We all have progress to make in life, but we don't copy and paste someone else's journey and follow their path exactly. I think there are always there's always this nonlinear path in our life through challenges, obstacles, um, where we are raised or even like the people we interact with things do change sometimes. And it's all about adjusting and adapting and making sure you're able to achieve your personal and professional goals. So I always think of what you just said kind of gave me like a light bulb moment. Like it's not about practice makes perfect throughout that journey. I think it's practice makes progress throughout the whole journey, where you're able to take those steps throughout your time, whether it be reach that goal or get into that position, uh, get that job. I think it's all about the progress and you're absolutely right, Max. The journey needs to be a happy one. Because then again, if it's something that makes you sad or upset that can then destroy your well being and has an effect on other people who you talk to. They will see that through your face and, you know, your emotions, etc. Um, but yeah, I think that's an excellent point to raise and I hope that our listeners do take that into account and push that into their own life to think about progress being a happy one and a game changing one so that they can get to that destination, whether it be a job, a better position in their life, or just to be happier in life honestly um but yeah i think we'll probably wrap it up there max i think such outstanding points that you've raised in today's discussion and again we do really appreciate your time and effort on the call today to share your personal experiences and your growth journey to others so i just want to say thank you again max it's a pleasure to always have you on a friday afternoon um and i wish you all the very best and we'll stay in touch thank you no thank
1: you very much for having me harry Peace <laughs>
0: Thanks for listening to this episode of our podcast series. We hope you have taken some key insights that can help activate your personal growth and maximize your potential. Please share this with others who may be interested and review this episode if you found it to be useful. Follow us on LinkedIn by typing in Brightness Unleashed in the search bar to stay updated with future content. Thank you and have a great day.